The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Today we're going to continue on a series that Pastor Tafara started, I think probably six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, and that series was every on every prayer answered. Amen. How many of you want every prayer that you've ever prayed answered? Oh, okay, only half of you. Okay, well, that's fine. I know I want every single prayer that I pray to be answered. Amen. And so what we learned um, six, seven weeks ago is that in Ephesians 6, I think it's verse 18, that there are different kinds of prayers. Amen. And we also learned that when we start operating in these different kinds of prayer, when we start knowing these different kinds of prayer, we will start to see more and more and more results in our prayer lives. Amen. And so this morning we are continuing with that series. And we're actually going to be moving into something that is a little bit more controversial. Now, I really don't know why it's controversial. It really shouldn't be. I think it's the greatest uh, gift that God has ever given to us. And this is praying in tongues. We're going to be talking about praying in tongues. And I already see some frowns. Okay. But I'm going to teach it because this is a message that the Holy Spirit gave me specifically for this service. Amen. And it's funny because um, I think this week um, as I was praying about it, um, PT sent me a message and he says, Honey, are you teaching about praying in tongues? And I was like, yeah. He says, Andrew Womack is teaching about praying in tongues this week. Amen. So I believe this is a word and season church. Amen. And so I ask you to just open up your hearts and hear what the Lord has to say about, about this very particular, very specific topic on praying in tongues. You see, many of you have probably heard about praying in tongues, right? And there have been so many myths and so many misconceptions about what praying in tongues is, what praying in the Holy Ghost is. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to go to the Bible. We're going to go to the Bible, to the Word of God. And we're going to see what the Word of God has to say about this topic. Amen. Because the Word of God is, and it should be, our final authority when it comes to any matter in, 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 in God's Word and in God's kingdom. Amen. So go with me quickly to Acts 2. And we're going to start in, in verses 4. And we're going to read from verses 4 to 8. Amen. Acts 2, we're going to start in verse 4. And we're going to read from verses 4 to 8. There are three kinds of tongues that are mentioned in the Bible, that are mentioned in Scripture. And we're going to go through each of them. Amen. So Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So just to give you some context here. These were the disciples. Uh, Remember, Jesus had said to them, tarry, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And so we see um, in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples are waiting um, in, in a house, okay? And the verse says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. So the first thing we read is that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And the result of them being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is that they began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, capital S, gave them the utterance. 
So the Holy Spirit gave them the inspiration. The Holy Spirit gave them the desire. The Holy Spirit gave them the words to, to speak. They are the ones who opened up their mouths and spoke. Okay? There's a misconception again in the church that the Holy Spirit forces us to speak. He literally forces us and we speak in tongues. But the scripture is quite clear. They are the ones who did the speaking as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. Amen. Next verse. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem. Can I have this in the King James Version, please? Not the New Kings, the King James Version. I quite like that version. Okay. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded. Why were they confounded? Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Do you see that? Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Next verse. And they were all amazed and they marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Next verse. And how we hear every man in our own tongue where we in we were born. So what was happening here is that the Jews or Jews had come from every nation, every country, and they'd gathered around. And they were quite shocked because they could actually hear their own home language being spoken through these disciples. They could hear their own particular dialect being spoken through these disciples as they spoke in tongues. Amen. And they were really, truly shocked. The Bible says they were confounded. They were confused. Because they saw these disciples and they said, but aren't these disciples Galileans? Shouldn't these disciples be speaking Galileo? <laughs> Whatever language they speak in Galilea, Galileans. So how is it that we can hear our own language being spoken by these Galileans? And so church, the first kind of tongue we see is really this. It's a supernatural endowment that gives you the ability to speak in a language that you have never, ever learned before. You see, I don't speak Mandarin. Okay, I lie, I do. I speak one word, ni hao. <laughs> Apparently that means hello. I don't know, is anyone Chinese here? Okay, but I speak one word here. But I generally don't speak Mandarin, okay? And so say I was in China. And while I was in China, God really needed to minister to someone who could only speak Mandarin. What God would do is that he would then supernaturally endow me with the ability to speak fluent Mandarin at that specific point in time to specifically minister to that person. And so this is what we see here in Acts 2. We see the disciples being supernaturally endowed with a language that they had never learned before. And the Jews heard every language that they understood being spoken through the Jews, through the disciples. And so this is the first kind of tongue we see in the church. And the purpose of this specific tongue is it's for the edification of the church. It's for the encouragement and the building up of the church. Amen. The second kind of tongue that we see is found in 1 Corinthians 12. And we're not really going to go there because we've got too much to cover and my time is ticking, okay? But this kind of tongue is what they call the gift of, the, uh, gift of tongues. It's one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. This specific tongue is used for public address, okay? For example, it can be used in a setting like this, where someone would get up 
and someone would speak in tongues to edify. But what Paul says in the book of Corinthians is that when someone gets up and starts to speak in that tongue, this tongue needs to be interpreted. This tongue needs to be interpreted either by the person who's spoken it or else someone else needs to get up by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and interpret this tongue, right? For the edification of the church. Because how can you be encouraged by something you don't understand, right? Okay, I've got an example for you. How many of you have children? How many of you have a big kid at home and a small kid at home? Okay, I do. I have uh, Manesu, who's five-year-old, Tinaya, who's two years old. When Tinaya was one, actually, she couldn't really speak. She'd speak baby language, okay? And I recall one day when we were sitting on the table for, for dinner, when Tinaya was one years old, okay? She's now two, but then she was one, okay? And she says to me, Mommy, and I looked at her, and then she says, I was like, what on earth did she say? And then Manesu turned to me and said, Mommy, Tinaya wants potatoes. And I said, what? Now I thought, you know what? Let me test Munesi on this one, right? And so what I did was, I gave Tinaya peas. And as soon as I gave Tinaya the peas, she was like, and then when I gave her the potatoes, she started smiling and she ate all the potatoes. And I remember Munesi looks at me and she said, you see, mommy, I told you she wanted potatoes. And so in this case, Tinaya was tons. Manessa was interpretation. In order for me to understand, I needed interpretation, right? And so this is the gift of tongues that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12. When someone comes up and they speak in tongues in order to address someone, it needs to be interpreted so that the church can be edified, so that the church can understand and be encouraged, right? Amen. The third type of tongue we want to talk about is praying in tongues. Oh, guys, come on, smile. This is your word for today. Okay. Go with me quickly to 1 Corinthians 14, and we're going to start in verse 2. How come my time isn't ticking? <gasps> yes! <laughs> Got more time. No, I'm, I don't have more time. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. And so now what we notice about this specific tongue, which we're going to, this is where now we're going to camp out in, okay? Because this is really where we want to talk about praying in tongues. What we notice about this specific tongue or praying in tongues is that it's quite different from the first two that I talked about. Remember I said the first two tongues are for, um, for edifying the church, okay? So the first two tongues, when you're, when you're speaking in those tongues, you're speaking to men. This type of tongue, the Bible says that you're not speaking unto men but you're speaking unto God, okay? So when you're praying this tongue, you're speaking to your neighbor. And people who don't see this distinction always get tripped up, right? People who don't see this distinction that when you are praying in tongues, you're speaking to God, you're not speaking to men, are always the first to say to people, we can't pray this prayer in church. Uh Uh-uh. This is your personal prayer to God. When you pray in tongues, you are speaking to God. You're not speaking to men. And I love what Pastor T says. He always says, when you're praying in tongues, it's nanya. It's nanya business. Okay? When you're praying in tongues, it's no one else's business. It's you and God's business. You are speaking to God, directly to God. Praying in tongues, by praying in tongues, God has given you a divine ability to speak to Him directly through the Spirit. Amen. And then the scripture goes on to say, 
For no man understand him. Okay, so for he who speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Because no man understands him. Howbeit, and the other word for howbeit, the actual proper word, English word for howbeit is actually however. Okay? So however, in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. And so from this scripture, we see two really awesome revelations. Amen. The first one we see, the scripture says, for he speaketh, for, oh, sorry, he says, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. You're speaking to God. So immediately we see that praying in tongues is actually prayer. Because if you remember what we learned right at the beginning of this series, prayer is talking to God. Prayer is communicating to, with God. Prayer is fellowship with God. Amen. Amen. The second thing we see, the scripture says, how be it. In other words, however, in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. And so we see the first benefit of praying in tongues. We're going we're gonna to share with you a few benefits of praying in tongues. Amen. And then, and then, and then, and then we'll move on. Okay. So the first benefit we see is that praying in tongues, if when you pray in tongues, you are speaking mysteries. When you're praying in tongues, you're praying for things that are beyond your own limited understanding. Amen. In the Greek word, that word mysteries is actually the word mysterion. So when God is getting you to pray in tongues, he's getting you to speak mysteries. He's getting you to pray for things that you don't understand. He's actually getting you to pray for things you'd probably never, 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 ever in a million years pray because you actually don't understand what you're praying for. Why does he do that? Well, the Greek word mysterion was used in war, I think in the ancient times. And, and then the idea was that what they would do is they would give the soldiers half a plan. Or they'd give soldiers just a little bit of information about the broader um, strategy, right? Of how they want to defeat the enemies. And the idea behind this mysterion, or the idea behind giving the soldiers a mysterion, part knowledge, was that in the event that the, if the soldier was actually caught by the enemy, guess what? He wouldn't be able to spill the beans about the plan. He wouldn't be able to counter the whole um, team's strategy and plan to win. Amen. And so this is really the same word here. Praying in tongues. You're speaking mysteries. You're speaking things that are beyond your understanding and in part. So that you can't counter them. You can't sabotage God's awesome plans for your lives. And God's awesome plans for his kingdom. You know, God gets you to pray for your boss's job. In tongues. So that when you walk out of that prayer closet... You're not going to counter that prayer. You're not going to walk out of that prayer closet and say, oh man, I'm going to work now. But sheesh, my boss is so, he's not going to leave anytime soon. I don't think I'm going to get his job anytime soon. Oops. You've counted that prayer. When you're praying in tongues, you don't even know what you pray for. So God gets you to pray for your boss's job, knowing that you, there's no chance you're going to counter that prayer. Amen. Amen. And this is the power of praying in tongues. Speaking mysteries. Praying for things that are beyond your understanding. Amen. The second benefit of praying in tongues is it helps us to pray in line with God's perfect will. It helps us to pray in line with God's perfect will. Go with me quickly to Romans 8. And we're going to read from verse 26. Romans 8, verse 26 in the King James Version. 
The Bible says, likewise, the Spirit, in other words, the Holy Spirit also helpeth us in our infirmities. Now, that word infirmities is not talking about sin, sickness, disease, no. It's actually talking, it's actually translated as the word shortcomings or weaknesses, okay? We, we do, when it comes to prayer, have shortcomings and weaknesses. Well, what, are, what is this shortcoming and weakness? It's answered in Romans 8 verse 26. It says, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. We don't know what God always wants us to pray, church. We always also don't always know who God wants us to pray. Our natural minds are limited in, 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 in our prayer life. Amen. We also don't always know what's actually holding up our prayers. Amen. So the scripture says, for we know not what we should pray for. But, someone say but. But. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit itself, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The literal Greek says, in groanings that cannot be uttered in articulate speech. And all articulate speech means it's, it's regular speech, okay? So we can say, the Spirit itself, the Spirit himself, helps make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered in regular speech. And I'd like to submit to you that these groanings are tongues. Amen. So the Spirit prays through us in tongues, in groanings that cannot be uttered in articulate speech. Verse 27. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Church, our natural minds have incomplete or limited information. That's a fact. Our minds are not always sure how to pray specifically for a specific matter. But the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 26 to 27 that when we pray in tongues, the Spirit of God is praying through you the perfect will of God concerning a matter. P.T. always tells the story about a visa. Um, There was a time, I think, when we applied for our visas, actually not we, I applied for the visa. He just gave me the stuff, but I applied for the visa. And for some reason, Pastor Tafara's visa was just taking long to come out. I mean, I think the process, we'd been told that the process would take four weeks. And I think we were now on to like almost 12 weeks and the visa hadn't come out. And it was actually starting to become quite a challenge for him because he couldn't travel. And we really, in our own limited understanding, we could not understand what was holding up that visa because it was really starting to become quite a nuisance now. And so one day the Holy Spirit impressed upon Pastor Tafara that he actually needed to pray in tongues. He needed to actually pray in tongues and pray the specific and perfect will of God to counter whatever was, was holding up that visa. And so I recall him, and I think he shared the story with you. He spent about three hours one day driving from, I don't know where he was driving from, but it was a three-hour drive praying in tongues. And I recall, I think it was about 5 p.m., I got an SMS saying that his visa was ready. And I called him. I said, honey, your visa's done. And he said, what? I've just been praying about it in tongues. And guess what? That visa came out in no time. And so I want to submit to you, church, that praying in tongues helps you pray the specific and perfect will of God. You don't always know what's countering your prayers. Our minds are limited to our natural reasoning and our natural knowledge. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly what the problem is. 
The Holy Spirit knows exactly what the root cause of the problem is. What's hindering your prayers from manifesting. Because God's already answered your prayers. Your prayers are probably possibly being hindered. And the Spirit knows what it is. And praying in tongues helps you to pray that perfect will of God concerning a specific matter. Amen. The third benefit of praying in the Holy Spirit is praying in tongues is a means of self-edification. Go with me quickly to 1 Corinthians 14 and we're going to read from verse 4. I love it, I love it, I love it. God has really just given us an awesome gift. Honestly, uh, I'm, just, I'm just praying that you, you, know, you all receive this word. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Do you see that? He that speaks in an unknown tongue. In other words, he that speaks in tongues. He that prays in tongues. He that prays in the Holy Ghost. He speaketh, he edifies himself. And now that word edified in other translation of the Bible says he builds himself up. The actual Greek word is a word, is a word that can be translated, charges himself up. You know like when a battery is flat? And you charge that battery up so that that battery can be revived and work again? Well, this is what you're doing when you're praying in tongues. You're edifying yourself. You are charging yourself up like a battery is charged up when it's flat. Amen. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. What I love about this verse so much is that when I'm really desperate, when I'm really down and out and I need to be built up, I don't actually have to wait for anyone to edify me. I don't have to wait for my neighbor, my sister, my brother, my husband, my wife. I don't have to wait for nobody. When I pray in tongues, I can supernaturally edify myself. Amen. Edification also talks of spiritual growth. And, and I found this I specifically use in my life. Whenever I'm reading the word of God and I can't understand something and, I, and I'm struggling to really understand the scripture, I pray in tongues. And, and it usually doesn't take a day or two before God gives me that revelation of what I'm praying about. Amen. So praying in tongues is a way in which you edify yourself. Jude 20, and if we can read it in the Amplified, Jude 20 says the same thing, and the Bible always says, you know, out of two or three mouths, a truth is established, right? So Jude 20, or Jude 120, in the Amplified version, but you, beloved, build yourselves. Can you see that? Oh, it's not up yet. But it says, but you, beloved, if you've got it in your phone or in the Bible, build yourselves. There we go, that word again, yourselves up. Founded. On your most holy faith, Jude 20, or Jude one twenty. Jude, J-U-D-E. But you, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith. And I love this because Jude then describes what building yourself up is. He says it's making progress, rising like an edifice, higher and higher. So how do I make progress? How do I rise like an edifice higher and higher? If I can have it in the Amplified Version, please. Jude answers it and he says, praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now an edifice is actually an imposing skyscraper or a building or a significant, someone say significant, Okay? An edifice is a significant building or a significant or important point on a map. 
Kind of like the St. Peter's Basilica in Italy. That's an edifice. And so what Jude is saying is that when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you even have the power to make yourself significant in the marketplace. How awesome is that? When you're praying in tongues, you even have the power to make significant progress in the marketplace, in your ministry, in your home, in your life, wherever God has called you to be. When you pray in tongues, you release the power to make yourself significant, to make progress, to build yourself up. When you pray in tongues, you have the power to build yourself up to face the day-to-day challenges that will come our way. Right? Man, I've even used praying in tongues to confront Mondays. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows that I used to hate Mondays. And so I've actually used Monday, I've used praying in tongues to counter Mondays. And many people ask me, how do you do it? How do you wear so many hats? You're a mom, you're a you're, you know, you do this, you do this, you're traveling, you're all that. And I'm going to let you in on a secret. I pray in tongues. I pray in tongues every day because I know that praying in tongues is going to edify me. Praying tongues is going to build me up to do those things that God has called me to do. Amen. And so when you're praying in tongues, you're building up yourselves. It's like a man who goes to the gym and lifts up weights to build up his muscles. When you're praying in tongues, you're building up your spiritual muscle. You're building yourself up and edifying yourself. Amen. The third benefit of praying in tongues is that praying in tongues gives rest to the weary and it gives spiritual refreshment. Have you ever needed time out from the hassles of life? I don't know, you know, life can be tiring sometimes, right? Well, praying in tongues is a way in which you can get spiritual rest and refreshment and hear this for free. Amen. Amen. Go with me quickly to Isaiah 28 verse 11. And so this is the prophet Isaiah just really prophesying of this awesome means in which we can be refreshed and rested. Isaiah 28 verse 11, we can have it in the King James if that's okay. So one of the benefits of praying in tongues is that it gives us rest and refreshing. Isaiah 28 verse 11. So prophet Isaiah says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. Verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest. In other words, speaking with stammering lips and an unknown tongue. This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. And so church, if you're weary, by praying in tongues, we can or you can invite God to help you rest. Isn't that so awesome? Sometimes when I feel tired and drained, I just pray in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when I'm feeling tired and drained and no inspiration and I really, I don't even know what to, what to speak if I'm asked to preach, I, I pray in the Holy Tongues, in the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was actually writing my first book and, um, and I just had no inspiration of what the next chapters would be. And I spent some time praying in the Holy Ghost. And I remember as I prayed in the Holy Ghost, I got so much inspiration of what to write. That particular day, I slept at midnight and I was still able to get up at 5 a.m. to get my children ready for, for school and to get myself ready for work. Praying in tongues works, church. 
Praying in tongues is a supernatural way to date that rest, that refreshment, and that inspiration that we all so, so, so desperately need in our lives. Amen. So someone once said to me, so do we have to pray in the Holy Spirit? And my answer to them and my answer to you this morning is, no, you don't have to. You get to pray in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, it's available to you. And it's available to you for free. Amen. Amen. And so let's go quickly to Acts 19. And we're going to read from verses 1 to 6. This morning we're going to be praying for some people who'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in tongues. Amen. So go with me quickly to Acts 19. And we're going to read from verses 1 to 6. Amen. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what we call the second work of grace for those taking down notes. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what we call the second work of grace. Amen. Verse 19. Sorry. Acts 19. And we're going to read verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, next verse, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you have believed? And so what was happening is here is Paul encountered certain disciples, right? And by virtue of the fact that the, there were disciples, we can conclude that these uh, uh, guys had been, had been saved, right? By virtue of the fact that they were disciples, they were followers of Jesus, we can, we can assume that they had received the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Amen. But Paul does not assume that because they were disciples, they'd also received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? Paul says to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you have believed? And so the reason why Paul asks him this is because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate work of grace. Amen. Church, it's a separate experience from salvation. You know, there are church people all over the world who've received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but who don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this doesn't make them bad people. They're still going to heaven. But without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it just makes them less effective in carrying out those things that God has called them to carry out and to do. Amen. Um, if you all recall in the book of Acts, um, just after Jesus had died and risen again, the disciples were very excited at the news. And they just wanted to tell everybody what had happened. I mean, they just wanted to go out and say, look, the dude that you've just killed is alive again. Come on, this was the most important news that they'd ever witnessed and they'd ever received. And yet, even at that point in time, Jesus himself said, wait. He said, tarry. He said, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Because Jesus knew that if they were to witness and if they were to minister in their own flesh, they would not be, they could not be as effective as they needed to be. And so Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you so that the Holy Spirit can assist you and aid you to be effective ministers, effective witnesses of the gospel, so that the Holy Spirit can help you confirm the word with signs and wonders. And so church, I want to submit to you this morning 
that being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a separate work of grace. Amen. Moving on, it says, And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Doesn't this sound like some Christians here in in this world today? The disciples said, We have not so much as heard of this Holy Ghost. You know, I went to church for some time. And the first time that I ever heard about the Holy Ghost was when I was 27 years old. And I didn't even hear it on a pulpit. I heard it in a life group. The first time that I heard of the Holy Spirit, the first time that I actually saw people speaking in tongues was in a life group. And the only reason, you remember that life group? The only reason I'd gone to that life group because the life group leaders had a really nice house. And this house was, wow, it was in Hyde Park there. And I just like, we just like to go there, right? Because it, it provided us with so much inspiration and a, and a live uh, vision board, a live Pinterest. <laughs> but that was the first time that I ever heard of the Holy Ghost. And so these disciples are saying, we have not so much as even heard about this Holy Ghost. I didn't know until I was 27 that I could receive the baptism of Holy Ghost, that the Holy Ghost could work and wanted to work miracles through me. And that's because I'd never been taught church. And perhaps many Christians, perhaps many of you have never heard of the Holy Ghost, have never even heard of the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues because you've probably just never been taught. You know, they say 90% of the churches in North America don't talk about the Holy Ghost, don't preach about the Holy Ghost, don't teach about the Holy Ghost because it scares away seeker-sensitive people. It scares away seeker-sensitive people. I don't know about you, church. I would rather we taught you about the Holy Ghost. I would rather that we taught you about the benefits of this amazing, supernatural, powerful gift that God has given us. I would rather I taught you and you reject it than us never teaching you about the Holy Spirit. We do not and we never want to be accused of robbing you of your rights to know, of robbing you of your rights to receive this awesome gift. Amen. So watch what happens. Verse 3. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto him, unto John's baptism. Then Paul, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse six. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues. Did you hear that church? The Holy Ghost came upon them and they spoke with tongues. Amen. They got the inspiration. They got the utterance from the Holy Ghost and they opened their mouths and they spoke in tongues. And the scripture says, and they prophesied. And now that they had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they now had access to all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, I remember when I was, when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, um, when I was first baptized in the Holy Ghost. It took, me, it took me a while to actually get around speaking in tongues, right? Because I think I've got a bit of an analytical mind. I don't know. It took me some time, right? But I remember when I f- first actually spoke in tongues. 
I was actually a bit disappointed. And the reason why I was disappointed is the first words, the only words that came out of my mouth were shoo-shoo. <laughs> shoo-shoo. I sounded like a baby. I was like, how can I say shoo-shoo when all of my life group friends are eloquent in their tongues, in their praying tongues? And I'm just saying shoo-shoo. <laughs> shoo-shoo. Some say shanda, right? Shanda is the like universal first word. But what I learned, and this is funny, but what I learned is just as with any language, church, you may not start off with a full paragraph of that language, right? When you're starting to speak French, do you start off saying, you know, a full paragraph of French? No, it's the same thing with tongues. When you start off in tongues, you may not start off saying a whole fluent paragraph of tongues. Your first word may just be shanda, shushu, sha, she. <laughs> But I want to encourage you, don't stop there. You grow into it like any, any tongue. Some of you have young children. Some of you have babies and ch- children. I mean, my, my daughter was one. She's not two. When she was one, she was most certainly not saying what she says now is two. You grow into it. All you need to do is just step out in faith and open your mouth and say what the Holy Spirit inspires you to say. Amen. And don't give up. And so even as, as I started to, you know, get a little bit more fluent in tongues, even then, I'd find myself asking myself questions. Again, I'm quite analytical. So I'd find myself asking myself questions. I'd be praying in tongues and I'd be saying, how do I know this is really from God? How do I really know this is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? How do I know it's not the devil speaking tongues through me? And so this morning, if you perhaps in the situation, or if these are questions that you ask yourself, I'm going to answer this question with 100% clarity. So that when you leave here this morning, you will know without a shadow of doubt that when you're praying in tongues, it's the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go with me quickly to Luke 11 verse 10, and we're going to read up to verse 13. And then we're going to end. Okay. And we're going to pray. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. You see that? If you ask, you'll receive. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. The next verse, 11, it says, If a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will you give him a stone? How many mothers and fathers do we have in this house? Or how many mothers and fathers-to-be do we have in this house? The scripture is saying, if your son or your daughter came and they asked you for bread, would you give them a stone? Ah, you guys don't sound sure. Are you sure you don't give your children stones? Why would you give children stones if they ask for bread? But anyway, most of you would give your children bread, right? Because that's what they asked for. Okay? And so Jesus is saying, if your son asked for bread, would you give him a stone? He goes on to say, or if he, if your son or your daughter asked for fish, will, you for, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Hey? So would you give your son or daughter a serpent if they ask for fish? No, I don't think we do it. He goes on to say, if you ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13, this is so profound. And uh, I need you to be listening. If you then being evil. You see, God knows that we don't always have our act together. Amen. God knows that we don't always, you know, we don't always have our act together as parents, right? 
And he says, if you, you people who don't always have your act together, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give? What? The tongues of the devil? The tongues of Satan? I don't see that in my Bible. How much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to who? To them that ask. All you need to do, church, is ask. And so if you ask for tongues, if you ask for the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues, God will give it to you. God will 100% give it to you. Amen. I love what the contemporary English version says. It's awesome. It says, as bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. Amen. But your heavenly father is even more ready to give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. Amen. So God is saying, if you ask me for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit 100%. Amen. Amen. Church, this is an awesome gift that God has given us. And like any other gift, we have the right to either accept it or reject it. Amen. Paul in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 13 says, he says, I will pray in the Spirit. You see, praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues is an absolute act of your will. Church, it's a choice. So it's a choice this morning whether you want to receive this gift or not. It's a choice this morning whether you want to open up your mouth and speak and pray in tongues. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.